my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, August the 25th. And wherever you are, whenever you listen to this, I wish you God's life. I wish you God's grace. I wish you God's goodness. As once again, we gather together to break open God's word and allow it to do what it needs to do with each one of us. And that's going to be as unique as each one of us are. uh, And that's a wonderful and good thing. Uh, and so, uh, as uh, typical, we're going to take a look at two readings for this coming weekend. It's the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. We're going to read out of the New American Translation. First reading is going to be a reading from Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. So, uh, this would be first Isaiah, probably written, let's say, 700 or so years uh, before Christ. Uh, won't really give that much of a historical perspective on it, but it just gives us an idea. Um, and you're going to hear a little bit of history in here. And I'll, I will have to talk a little bit about that. But it's Isaiah 22, verses 19 to 23. So that'll be the first reading. And it easily, you, you're going to hear the, an easy thread in this one. It easily points to our gospel, which is an important one. Uh, in Catholic circles here, and that's going to be Matthew 16, verses 13 to 20. You're going to hear it immediately. I'll let it uh, play itself out for you. Um, More so than simply looking for the thread, again, as always, I just invite you, open yourself to the Word, regardless of how many times you've heard it. First reading probably won't be that familiar, the second or the gospel will. But again, just open yourself and, and invite the Spirit to make it new, I invite however the Spirit's going to speak to you, uh, in whatever unique way that is, I just simply invite you to prepare yourself. Again, as always, whether that's shutting off the the, uh, pod for a moment, uh, whether that's asking God, you know, just in whatever way you do that, but just invite that Spirit to speak. And when the the Spirit does, because I'm going to presume it will, the Spirit will, uh, when the Spirit does, just sit with that. Uh, again, the Word of God, is it's powerful. It is a two-edged sword. Uh, and it will uh, cut into the heart of who we are if we allow it and invite it. So let's do that today, okay? Let's break open God's Word. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord to Shebna, master of the palace, I will thrust you from your office, and pull you down from your station. On that day I will summon my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and gird him with your sash and give over to him your authority. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. I will place the key of the house of David on Eliakim's shoulder. When he opens, no one shall shut. When he shuts, no one shall open. I will fix him like a peg in a sure spot to be a place of honor for his family. My friends, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, 
Some say John the Baptist. Others, Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to speak on that last line, although there is much I think could be said about that. Why is he ordering his his disciples not to tell people he's the Christ? And, And again, maybe it's that whole idea that until we have an idea of what we're talking about, Maybe we best not talk about it, because if we were to keep reading, we would see clearly that Peter, uh, certainly, and and Peter, of course, is is acting on behalf of everybody else. They don't know what they're talking about, right? Um, And maybe that's true of us, too. Before we go uh, speaking about that which is beyond us, which, by the way, uh, God's essence is always beyond us, right? Uh, and so in, in, in a very real sense, I think we always need to um, take our shoes off because uh, we're on holy ground when we approach the Word of God and we approach uh, this dialogue. And I, I certainly hope I do that. And if I don't, I ask your forgiveness for that as well. Um, but this is, of course, an important reading, right? To us, particularly as Catholics. Why? Because this is where we establish the papacy, right? Gosh, I mean, one of the uh, the parishes that I was a, a leader of for many years was Saints Peter and Paul here in Kiel, Wisconsin. And uh, you go in there, and there was a huge stained glass window on the east side of the building. And when the sun rose, always in the morning, you know, for the morning masses, you would see, and there it had Jesus giving Peter the keys, and in the background was the Vatican, you know, and some rock over there, all this stuff. Remember, when, when Peter came into this reading, his name was not Peter, right? It was Simon. We call him Simon Peter. We use the terms interchangeably. But in the gospel, he's Simon until this point, and Jesus gives him a new name. Peter, of course, which means rock, Petra. Um, and uh, even the, the location is symbolic of that, Caesarea Philippi, which had these cliffs of solid rock, that whole idea. Now, again, not going to go into, into too much about this, but it's a very significant gospel for uh, the establishment of the church and that whole idea of binding and loosing and, and, and what that means. And again, a whole reflection can go on that as well. Don't want to get in, into too much detail there, but I will simply say, hey, have you had a chance to lose somebody today? And I mean that in all seriousness. It sounds like it's language we don't use. Gosh, but it seems like in our, our culture today, I'm not going to blame you and point fingers at you. Please hear that well. 
Um, but it feels like we bind people really well. But how well do we do loose, loosing them, uh, setting them free? Um, my gosh, I think that's a ministry, right? Maybe a, a ministry whose time has come because I think we all just need to feel free. Free in, in a real sense of that word, right? Uh, loved, good, where we are, not perfect. Um, not, not even having done something correctly, but uh, something correctly, but allowed to, to be loved and allowed to be who we are, even in the midst of what mistakes we've made. Um, boy, if we, could, if we could be women and men who do that, wow, the world would be a better place. Okay, none of that was what I was going to talk about. Okay, what do I want to talk about? Um, let me do a little bit of, uh, of background. I want to go back to Isaiah just for a bit, and here's what I want to say. Of course, you can see the thread, right, the, the whole idea. So what Isaiah is saying is he's going to this person, poor person that he is, uh, named Shebna, and basically uh, Isaiah is saying, Shebna, you're out. You're out. You, you were in, in this position of authority, uh, but I'm taking you out. You're going from the highest position down to the lowest. Uh, because why? Because you didn't use your authority well. And instead, I'm going to invite this person, Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. You don't even need to know who these people are. You know the, the ethos. You know what's happening here, right? Somebody who, who was in authority, who used it very poorly, is being taken from it. Somebody who is a, a, of good heart, pure heart. Somebody who is, uh, in, in, in a sense, a, a person after God's own heart, right? Um, is going to be taken and given that authority. Why? Because they will be a father, in this case, because he's a male. But in our case, many of you who may be listening would be a mother. You will be a father or mother to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to the people of the house of Judah. You will be a parent to whomever you are placed among. Right? Um, because you're going to treat them as a loving parent and not as an authoritarian. Uh, that's, that's, that's the background, and I think it's an important background, right? Because clearly the, the uh, thread that goes through here is, and Jesus, of course, knew this um, in using this language, and then he gives it to Peter, right? And we can look at this and say, Peter, gosh, you know, I, I, what was it, two weeks ago we just talked about Peter, right? The walking on the water, that, that Peter, you have little faith. Jesus even seems to admonish him when he gets back in there. Why, why did you have such little faith, Peter? But he's the one who actually responded to the call or, or got out of the boat. And, and again, I think that's what Jesus is pointing to here with Peter. Peter was anything but rock-like, right? And we know that because three verses later, he's going he's gonna to challenge Jesus not to go to Jerusalem when he talks about what the Christ needs to do. He's going to have to go to Jerusalem, and he's going to be turned over, handed over to, to wicked people, the authorities, uh, the Gentiles, and ultimately will be crucified, died, but he'll rise on rise the third day. And, and Peter goes to him and says, you must not do that, right? Okay, very, very much not rock-like. Goodness sakes, Peter, who says, you know, Lord, I'll never deny you. And then, of course, he does. And then he follows Jesus to the cross from a distance. And he goes outside and standing on the charcoal fire and, and of course, does that because he doesn't want to enter into the courtyard. All those things. But you know what he does? He follows him. 
He follows him, even at a distance. And, and use that, you know, not necessarily literally. Okay, that, you know, Peter was 200 yards behind Jesus when they were walking to, to Jerusalem so he could go see the, the chiefs, priests, and the scribes. In one sense, of course, that's true. But in another sense, he's, he, was, he was following, but, but boy, it just seemed distantly. Um, because it was hot and cold, right? Fits and starts. Does that look familiar? Does that sound familiar? Because it sure does to me. But the beauty here, my friends, is that our God doesn't choose us to be this parent over whomever it is. And I don't even want to use the word over. Uh, among uh, someone who will be that loving leader, that loving person um, in order to as as Isaiah says to to Eliakim, um, that they will be apparent to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to the house of Judah, that that they will be the one to bring um, harmony, peace, maybe a breath of fresh air, stability, um, that they can exhale and don't have to worry about what what's going on or 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 what fit we'll see next, or whether we got to keep our head low. Our God chooses those who merely have a heart to follow. Not the perfection, because Peter didn't. But Peter had a heart, I will tell you that. And scriptures time and time and time again will show that, that Peter had a heart. And so I think, my friends, it invites us to answer that question, who has God placed around us that our God invites maybe us uh, to be in that role of um, leadership of some sort? Maybe it's in a family. Maybe it is among a group of friends. Maybe it is over a, a council or a city committee or something. Maybe it's, I don't know where it is. But where has God given us that challenge and that opportunity of leadership? And how do we approach it? We don't have to approach it in perfection. And we don't have to approach it um, in fear of, boy, I don't want to do that or I can't make a mistake. All we have to do is approach it with a servant's heart. And I think God honors that. And I think that's where these readings point us to. Um, That God honored Eliakim and brought him into that line of David and and said, listen, because this is, again, 300 years after David was king. And and David, of course, was the person uh, uh, after God's own heart. That's what Scripture says. And he's he's comparing Eliakim to David. And he's saying, "You you will carry that Davidic line. And you get to, to loose this. You get to be like this peg in a sure spot and allow uh, honor to be brought to this situation. And so I, I, I invite us first and foremost to think about that. Secondly, and I guess lastly, I want to say this, and, and this is maybe, maybe the most important thing, and maybe I buried the lead here. I was in a visit yesterday, and... Um, one of the people I was visiting with, 
it was wonderful. In in unprompted, she just is like, you know, Joe. In scripture, Jesus asks questions all the time, but there are really only two, two questions that Jesus asked that we have to answer, and all the other ones fall away. These are the only two that matter. She's like, do you know what they are? And of course, I failed miserably at the test. But the first one she said is, who do you say that I am? Of course, you know, Jesus asks the question. The easy question he asks is, who do people, who do other people say I am? That's an easy one. We can repeat what other people say, because then it makes them look, you know, simple-minded, right? Ugh. People say you're Jeremiah or Elijah or John the Baptist come back to life. Gosh, these simple-minded people. Aren't they silly? That it takes no risk to, to convey what other people are saying. But then Jesus takes a great risk, a risk we may not have the courage to even ask our spouses, our best friends, our, our siblings, our children. How do you see me? Who am I? Who am I? So Jesus has the great courage to ask that. By the way, we would do well, I think, to, uh, to have the courage to ask that and to listen as well as Jesus does. Um, but ultimately, of course, he asks that, that same question to us. And that's the first question that we have to answer that this gal was talking to me about yesterday. Who do we say Jesus is? And not just, you know, when we say the creed at Mass. I mean, who, really, who do we say he is in, in, in our, our day-in, day-out life? What role does he have in who I am and how I'm, I'm shaped and formed and what decisions I make? Who do we say, Jesus asks, who do we say that he is? And the second question, she said, that Jesus asked that we have to answer after that one is, do you love me? The question, of course, he asked Peter on the beach, right? In the uh, resurrection scene, John 21. Who do you say I am? And do you love me? I, I thought what she said was so simple but so beautiful. Because so often I think we can get caught up in, in all the, the, the stuff that comes with our, our faith. And we got to know, you know, A, B, C, D, and E. And, and we got to be able to recite it. And we got to when really it does come down to simplicity sometimes. Who do we say that Jesus is in our life? And do we love him? Hey, my friends, that's a question our God invites of us today because it takes great risk. It takes great risk because in how we answer, it says what we think of him, not what other people do. That's an easy one. But our God is showing great vulnerability and saying, but what about you? Who do you think I am? And will your actions show that? Because that answers, if you love me. Let's pray. We begin the sorrowful mysteries this week. And so let's uh, begin with the sign of our faith. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The first sorrowful mystery, the agony in the garden. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. My friends, bless you. Thanks for breaking open God's word with me today. May your week be filled with every good joy. Be well, and God's peace.